All right. Well, I want to welcome our online audience. Thank you for joining us too today. We're going to kick off a brand new sermon series today called When You're Running the Wrong Way. Come on. It's just us, church, Sunday morning, great place to confess. How many of you be honest enough to admit you've found yourself running the wrong way before? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There was a story uh, just two weeks ago in the news that I, I thought was fascinating. Some of you may have seen this. Um, there's a guy, as a photographer named Rainer Schimpf. He was uh, photographing a school of sardines that were swimming off the coast of South Africa. And uh, as he was shooting these, these underwater pictures, uh, he was a little nervous. They, they call these schools of sardines bait balls because they're actually, as they swim together, predator fish like sharks love to just kind of swoop in and grab a mouthful of them. And so he was a, a little on edge, uh, you know, kind of hoping there weren't any sharks in the area uh, as he was snapping these pictures. And then all of a sudden, if you can imagine, as he's there underwater, totally exposed, all of a sudden he sees this enormous shadow coming straight at him, and then boom, this happens. Throw that picture up here. That is his backside and legs hanging out of a whale. <laughs> Kid you not. Uh, he, all of a sudden, this, this, this whale, um, that they, these particular, called Bruda whales, they can get up to 55 feet long and weigh about, uh, or uh, yeah, 55 feet long and weigh like 15 tons. All of a sudden, this thing literally scoops him up with a mouthful of sardines, picks him up out of the water. He had a, a photographer buddy who was on the, uh, his boat uh, who was shooting pictures as well, standing next to Rainer's wife. Now, can you imagine being the wife of this guy and all of a sudden, you know, he's seeing your husband, you know, in the mouth of this whale. And uh, he snapped this incredible picture. Uh, but this whale scoops him up out of the water, keeps him in his mouth for like a few seconds, and then spits him out. I guess he didn't taste very good. But this whale uh, spits him out, and he gets back on the boat. They check him out. He's actually fine. He actually, I, this is what I thought was really crazy. He got back in the water and kept shooting photographs. Sometimes it's the triumph of hope over experience, I guess, you know. Well, that, that, when I read this, when that story came on, I thought, oh, that's just perfect for, for today, particularly when Rainer went home and told his son, his son, his young son was just fascinated that dad, dad got in the mouth of this whale, particularly because his son, kid you not, his son's name is Jonas. <laughs> Well, we're going we're gonna to be talking about Jonah for the next few weeks. Um, the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the, the story and the life of, of Jonah. And, and as I went back and was reading the story again, one of the things that became very clear to me was that Jonah's story is my story. And I'm going to bet for many of you, you're going to discover that Jonah's story is your story as well. Because most of us, at some point along the way, have found ourselves running the wrong way and need to get things turned around. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with us. Um, I want to read to you the, the, the first chapter of Jonah. It's 17 verses long, so we didn't print all of that uh, on your outline, but we're going to throw it up on the screen. This is taken from the New International Version, and uh, you can listen to the Word of the Lord. Listen to, to the story of Jonah. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, what did he do? He ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. 
After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw cargo into the sea and to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and he said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, let's cast, come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now let me stop for a second. Can you imagine these guys saying, he said, I worship the God who made this sea and you're the one who we got to turn to? Wow, you know they were scared to death. This terrified them. And they said, well, what have you done? Now they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they finally asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up. And throw me into the sea. Now, let me stop for a second. How many of you are like me and that would have never shown up on your radar screen? When I read that, you know, they said, what, Pastor Steve, what should we do? The, you know, God's upset with us. And what should we do? You know what? I'll be going, throw David overboard. <laughs> God told me he did this. So, you know, I mean, I, I just thought this was so bold of Jonah. You know, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not because the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah, uh, took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men, off, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish three days and three nights. Have you ever run from God or tried? When I was, uh, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, there are... A lot of ways that we run, we run. Sometimes we we run from the reality of God. Sometimes we run from the reality of God. Um, sometimes um, we say there is no God. Um, sometimes we may generally truly believe that we haven't seen evidence. But a lot of times we say there is no God. It's because the day we know we acknowledge there's a God, that means that I'm accountable to him and I really don't want a God somewhere telling me what to do. Um, sometimes God doesn't act in the ways that we want him to. Um, how many of you have discovered you cannot control God? Anybody? Yeah. And sometimes, can we be honest, sometimes God doesn't answer prayer the way that we want him to. Sometimes God allows tragedies to happen in our lives and things that happen that sometimes make us wonder, really, is, is there a God? Sometimes, sometimes we run you know, from that reality. Um, sometimes we run from the lordship of God. 
Sometimes we run from the lordship of God. And, and again, what we mean by that is that, you know, sometimes we may say, yeah, there is a God. And you know what? I even believe that, yes, Jesus came. This, God came into flesh as Jesus Christ to this earth. But, but you know, what is that to me? And sometimes we, we, we spend our life acknowledging, yeah, he's there. But we try to kind of try to keep him at arm's distance. And we never really surrender our lives to him. Or sometimes we take the step and go, you know, I know I need Jesus as a Savior. And so we confess our, our need for Christ as a Savior and, and he comes into our life. But then, then we come to places in our life that God begins to speak to us about and we don't want to surrender those places. Um, kind of like the rich young ruler. And when Jesus had this encounter with him, he, he made this statement to him that I think sometimes he makes to us. He goes, you know what? There's one thing you still lack. And if God were to say to us today, there's one thing that you're still lacking in surrendering, what would that be for you? Sometimes kind of connected to that is that sometimes we run from the correction of God. Sometimes we run from the correction of God. When I was thought when I wrote this, I, I, I flashed back in my mind to when I was a kid. Anybody else in here, when your mom was mad at you, she used your middle name? Anybody else? This, was, this is how I knew my mom was mad. Uh, my middle name is Eugene. And uh, when I was growing up, I was the next to youngest, so everybody in my family called me Stevie all the time. And, uh, but when my mom was mad, it was Stephen Eugene. And uh, man, if I was upstairs and I was, you know, listening to my music and she found out I did something, man, she would yell up the stairs, Stephen Eugene. And man, I'm cranking the music up louder, you know, or if I'm down the street with my buds and, you know, she found, you know, something I did and she's out there, I haven't taken out the trash or something. She's yelling down the block, Stephen Eugene. And man, when my mom's yelling my middle name, I'm not running to her, baby. I'm running the other way. Because I knew mom's got something she's going to slap me with. And, you know, I don't, I don't, and come on, sometimes we do that with God. There is stuff sometimes in our life that God starts nudging us about and starts saying, you know, can we talk about this? And we're kind of like, you know, God, I'm really busy right now. And, you know, gosh, I've got a lot going on. And, man, I just, you know, and we, we run from that correction of God. Um, sometimes we run from the calling of God. Now, this was Jonah's deal. You know, God, God wanted to use Jonah to do, you know, something really significant. And Jonah didn't want to do it for whatever reason. He ran the other way. Now, look at me. I want you to hear my heart. Sometimes God is speaking to some of you. I know this. And sometimes he's trying to nudge you to do something for him that you're scared to do. You may not feel you're worthy. You may not feel you're gifted enough. You may not feel you're talented enough. You, you may feel like you're afraid that you'll fail if you do this. And I promise you, for some of us, we, we've been running from that nudge of God where he really wants to do something in our lives. And we're running from that. Let me, let me give you one more. Sometimes we run from the healing of God. Sometimes we run from the healing of God. There was a, an interesting story I read um, some years back. There was a, a woman in China. She was 77 years old. She had been having headaches for years. And they just became increasingly severe. And finally, um, kind of like some of us are, she finally went to the doctor. And when they did some x-rays, they discovered the cause of her headaches was that she had a bullet in her brain. 
Um, and she, remember when she was 12 years old, uh, her father was in the Chinese army and they were fighting with the Japanese and uh, the fighting was not far from the house and the troops were uh, not far from where she lived and her mother sent her with a packed lunch to give it to her father while he was at this camp. And while she was there at this camp, the, the uh, Japanese army invaded and uh, she took off running along with the rest of them and they fired at her and a bullet, they thought it glanced off of the side of her head because um, it knocked her out, but she came to and they wiped the blood away and they didn't see anything and they thought the bullet had just hit, hit her and glanced off. But in fact, the bullet had actually gone into her head and had lodged in her brain and had stayed there for 64 years, 64 years. There are some of us in this room that I can promise you have been dealing with some of that kind of pain in our lives for a long, long time. I can't tell you how many times I've sat um, with someone who have said these words to me. I've never told anyone this before. And the reason we're not telling anyone is because it's a very painful place. It's a place we don't like to go to. It's a place that brings back a lot of bad memories and a lot of bad feelings. And yet, God can't heal what we won't reveal. Amen? And sometimes this nudge of God is about letting him go to places in our lives that are still hurting us, actually still keeping us from being the people that he wants us to be. Sometimes we run from that healing. So what are you running from? I want to I unpack this uh, story with you about Jonah for a few minutes and just kind of give you a few tips if you're finding yourself running today. Okay? You ready? Here we go. You'll get this one. You can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> Great story of... Uh, a month or two ago, there was a, a guy in New Jersey who had uh, stolen a car and uh, thought he got away and went to a, drove into a, a smaller town nearby, um, I think it's called Two Falls, uh, New Jersey, and uh, he was uh, cruising and somebody spotted the car and one of the, a police officer spotted the car and it had been reported to come over the airways that this car had been stolen and he recognized that was the car. And so the officer quietly kind of slipped in behind the guy down a little bit, called for backup, and he began to follow this guy through the streets. Uh, this guy looks in the rearview mirror and uh, sees a police car. The police car doesn't have his light on or anything, but he realizes, I'm had. And uh, so while the cop is waiting for the backup to show up, uh, this guy who's stolen the car decides he's going to get away from the cops. Now, look at me. Come on. Running from the police is never a good idea. <laughs> That just doesn't usually work out well. Well, this guy thought he was going to be, you know, really, really slick. And so he sped up and then he turned quickly down a, a side street. And as he went down the side street, he turned his lights off. And then he pulled real quickly up into a driveway and turned the car off. Like I can sit up in this driveway and the police won't notice I'm here. Now, there are 34,000 homes in Two Falls, New Jersey. How in the world he picked the house of the chief of police is beyond imagination. And the chief of the police, the chief of police happened to be in one of the police cars that was coming as backup. 
So as they come in, they're coming down the street, the police chief sees this car sitting in his driveway and gets out and walks up to the car, taps on the window and goes, uh, excuse me, uh, what are you doing? And the guy said, well, I'm just coming home. And the police chief said, well, when did you move in? This is my house, you know. And so they, they arrested the guy. Crazy. Well, look at me. You can't run from God either. Have you discovered that? You do understand that no matter where you go, God will find you. In fact, I love how the psalmist put it. Throw that up on the screen. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. Read it with me. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. Throw that saying up on the screen. I, put, I wrote this in my notes. Wherever you run to, God is already there. God is already there. In the story, you know, Jonah, you know, when God comes to Jonah, Jonah goes, I'm going to run. And he gets to Joppa, and guess what? God's already there. He gets on the boat, guess what? God's already on the boat. He gets out in the middle of the sea, guess what? God's already out on the sea. Everywhere Jonah went, God was already there. Same's true for you. Wherever you go to tomorrow, here's one thing I can promise you. God's already there. You're not going to ditch him. You're not going to lose him. You're not going to be slick and sneak away. God is already everywhere you're going to be. Um, Jeremy Smith, last week after the service, was telling me a story that I just thought was just, this is just classic God in this. Um, years ago when Jeremy was living in California, he, uh, he had a, a good friend named Mike that uh, he had a, a huge falling out with that was a, uh, had got a real ugly thing that happened between them. And, uh, and Jeremy was really, really mad. Um, he was uh, just wanting to get back at Mike, you know, and he was carrying this anger inside. And, um, and it's one of those things that you, you kind of know how this goes. It's kind of like the more you think about it, the madder you get, you know, kinds of stuff. And, and so this was kind of really building up for Jeremy. And then uh, and, and add insult to injury in the midst of this while he's dealing with it, he has an accident and, uh, uh, and, you know, felt like his friend had kind of helped cause the accident because of some circumstance. And then he's really infuriated. Now he's laid up and he's, and he's, and he's away and all this kind of stuff. And, and the anger's building. And in the midst of all this, God be, is just speaking to Jeremy me going dude you can't you can't keep carrying this anger you know you can't you just can't keep doing this and and, and Jeremy Jeremy's plea with God is is, is kind of like God I know I need to forgive him but can you just let me get back at him first yeah which is kind of how we pray and then you know let me let me get my lick in and then we'll then we'll call it even okay but but God was dealing with Jeremy and all of this and and for like four weeks you know this kind of this kind of went on and and finally Jeremy realized you know I I I, I know I need to deal with this and he kind of came to a place where he knew he needed to and it hadn't been in church in, in four or five weeks and so now it was, he, he needed to get back to church and needed to kind of move forward he was dating Gina at the time she was a girlfriend instead of his wife and and so they went, to the, they went to church that Sunday, and, and uh, they, they slipped in. The service was already underway, and the worship's going on. It was a big church of 2,000 people, and it's, you know, the praise is going on. It's really loud. It's kind of dark, and he's looking for a seat and spots a, you know, spots a couple of seats in a row, about 11 rows down. And he says, okay, and he, he grabs Gina's hand, and he's kind of making his way through the people, and he gets, into his, gets to his place right where he's supposed to sit for the two empty seats that he could find. And he looks over, and wouldn't you know, out of a 2,000-seat sanctuary he ends up right next to Mike's wife with Mike on the other side it's one of those times where you go now you're showing off you know 
And after the worship, the preacher got up to speak. And guess what Mike and, and, and Jeremy's pastor spoke on that morning? Forgiveness. You can run, Jeremy. But you can't hide. Amen. Let me give you another piece, and it kind of ties to Jeremy's story too. And that is, the harder you run, the more miserable you'll be. Jonah didn't get better; he got worse the the harder he ran. And the same is true for you and me. Uh, I, whenever I think of this thought, I always I always flash back in my mind to my mother when I was growing up was deathly afraid of doctors and dentists. And she had a, a tooth uh, that began to ache. And, um, and she just was scared to death she was going to die in a dentist chair. And so she just, you know, was kind of that way. And she didn't want to go. And so she's, you know, chewing aspirin. And she's using those BC powder stuff they used to use back in the day. And all this kind of stuff. And it just, it just, you know, just kept aching, kept aching. Finally, my mom's cheek actually started concaving. I mean, it actually started indenting right where that tooth was. And my dad finally said, yeah, Norma, you, you have to go to the dentist. You just have to go. And so finally, when she got to the dentist, and the dentist looked in her, he goes, oh, my goodness, Mrs. Childs, has this tooth been bothering you for a while? And she said, yeah. He, she said, it's been bothering me. I just didn't want to come in. He goes, well, he goes, this tooth is now abscessed. He said, you've got major infection going on in there now. And he said, we're going to have to give you antibiotics, and we're going to have to do some major work. He said, you know, if you would have just come to me when it first started hurting, we probably could have taken care of this fairly quickly. Kind of the way it works, isn't it? Um, you know, for any of you who read my devotional this morning, uh, probably most of you didn't get up that early to, to read it, but for those of you who get to devotional, read it. Today I wrote about how bad is bad enough. In recovery, we have this phrase, hitting bottom. And do we really have to hit bottom before we realize we need to turn around? You know, I always go in my mind back to the story of the prodigal son who the Bible says in Luke 15 that he asked his father for a share of the inheritance and he went and he said he spent it on wild living and, and he said when he spent everything he had and didn't have anything left, he was trying to find a job. He got a job working for a pig farm, which was disgusting for people who were Jews. And the Bible said that he was feeding the pigs and he was, he was starving so bad he wanted to eat what he was feeding the pigs. I often thought to myself when I read that story, isn't it a shame that when he spent just a little bit of his money, he didn't realize, you know what? I'm losing money, not making money. Maybe I need to do something different. Come on, it's us. How, how much money do you have to lose at a casino before you finally say, I think this place is rigged? <laughs> you know? At what point on, on this downhill slide do you, do you wake up and go, you know, how, how, look at me, how miserable is miserable enough? Before we decide, you know what? I don't want to go in this direction. I want to turn around. And the longer you go, I promise you this, the more miserable it'll be. I love the words David used. Throw, throw that psalm up here on the screen for me, would you please? David said, there was a time when I wouldn't admit what a sinner I was, but my dishonesty, read, read this with me, read it out loud. But my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. I'll read it for you. All day and all night, your hand was heavy uh, upon me. My strength evaporated like water on a sunny day until I finally admitted all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide them. 
Let me give you another one. This kind of connects to that. The longer you run, the greater the impact will be on yourself and on others. The longer you run from God, and it doesn't matter how, what you're running from God from, the longer you run, the greater the impact on yourself and on others. Now, we talked about this with Jonah. Look how bad it finally got for Jonah. But do you realize when Jonah did this, as Jonah was running, did you read the story? Did you listen to what was going on? A couple of things were happening. One, Jonah wasn't only hurting himself. He put the other sailors on that boat at risk in his running from God. They were scared for their lives. It wasn't just him. It was, it was his, he was putting their lives in jeopardy as well. And think about this. As Jonah, what is Jonah running from? What did he not want to do? You remember? He didn't want to go to Nineveh and do what? And preach. I get that. You know, he didn't want to preach. But do you realize that every single day, Jonah does not preach to the Ninevites. Every single day, one more Ninevite is going to hell without the God, hearing the word of God. Every single day that Jonah did not preach, he was not giving them the opportunity to repent. You see, his disobedience, his running from God, put the sailors at risk, and it was killing the people in Nineveh that he was also running from. I, I saw this quote. Throw that quote up on the screen for me. I put this on your outline. Never underestimate the valuable and important difference you make in every life you touch. For the impact you make today has a powerful and rippling effect on every tomorrow. Now, that means that our lives, we're, we're not, we don't just live to us. Our lives have a ripple effect either for good or for bad in the people around us. You see, when we run with God, that blessing that God gives us is able to be poured out upon the people around us. And when we run from God, the consequences aren't just reaped by us. They're reaped by those that we're in contact with. Let me give you a great example of this. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's a gal named Brandy. Um, Brandy wrote a, a blog um, that I wrote, uh, that I read that was just really, really good. Uh, she was talking about the fact that after she got married, um, had a couple of little kids, that she had, um, had a propensity toward taking prescription medication. And she said that uh, her addiction to this prescription medication began to increase. Um, she said, it came to a point where I couldn't get out of bed unless I took something. And then I couldn't make it throughout the day without taking something else. And then I couldn't go to sleep at night unless I took something else. And she said these prescription drugs, this addiction was literally taking over my life. And she said, even though I had my husband had, had, had encouraged me, honey, I think, you're, I think you're going way too far with this. I think you need help. I think you need it. She said, I kept telling him, I've got, I, I've got this. I, I've got it under control, which is what addicts will say. I've got it, I've got it under control. And, and she, kept, she kept pushing back. And she said, but finally the day came. She said, I, I had a day where I had been out and about around town with my kids in the car. And she said, I'm sitting at the table with my husband. And he said, what did you do today? And she said, and I realized I couldn't remember. And she said, I was looped out of my mind from these drugs. And yet I had my children in the car with me. That's when I knew I need help. 
You see, her addiction wasn't just impacting her. It was impacting her marriage. It was impacting her kids. I thought it was so cool in the story how she talked about going uh, and getting treatment and, and getting herself clean and sober. And, and, and she talked about after she came out, what a, what a different person she was and how much more alive she felt. She said, you know, the most, the most humbling, she goes, thrilling, but also painful part of coming out. She goes, it was about two weeks after I'd gotten home and was clean and sober. She said, my little son Joshua came, came in the room and he said, he just came up to him and he wrapped his arms around my leg and he squeezed me and he put his head against my leg and he said, I like my new mommy. I like my new mommy. You've said this, I've said this, we've heard people say this, and it's a horrible statement. I never meant to hurt anybody. But you can't help it. Our lives impact one another. Amen. Let me give you one more, and this is a great thought. When you decide to stop running, God runs to you. When you decide to stop running, God runs to you. You remember that story of the prodigal son? Again, out there, he's on that pig farm. He's starving to death. He wants to eat the food. And then there's this great phrase there in Luke 15. It says, and he came to his senses. What a great statement. And he says to himself, I'm going to go home to my father and confess my sin. Now, Again, he's, he's a kid like all of us growing up. How do you think he felt his father was going to respond? You know, how do you think in his in mind he played it out? What, what do you think? You can imagine, you know, he had all these thoughts going on. You know, what, what if my dad won't let me in? What if my dad won't even let me on the farm? What if my dad stands on the porch with his arms folded like this and goes, I knew you'd come crawling back one day. You know, he had no idea how his father's going to respond to this. But how does he respond? Throw that passage of scripture up on the screen for me, please. And so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now, how did he respond? Read it out loud with me. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. When his son stopped running from him, his dad was able to run to his son. Now, let's go back to the story for just a second. Jonah admits to the other sailors that he was the culprit. He was the reason that this storm had come up. Throw me overboard. And so they did. What happened to Jonah then? Not a trick question. What, what happened to Jonah? He got swallowed by a whale. He got swallowed by... How many of you would think to yourself, that's probably not a good thing? <laughs> you know, if you just got thrown overboard and you get swallowed, and, oh, that just, you know, let's just put an exclamation point on a really bad day. You know, now I'm... In, look at me. But you got to get this. You do understand that the whale was God's way of saving Jonah. What would have happened to Jonah if he'd have been left in the open sea? He would have drowned. He would have died. He'd have either dehydrated and died or another kind of fish would have eaten him or, or, or he would eventually drown. But God, God 
used this whale to save Jonah, not to hurt him, to protect him. You see, in the, in the prodigal son, the father came running to the son. With Jonah, God came swimming to him. And God will come running to you right where you are the moment you stop running from him. Make eye contact. What do you want from God today? What do you need from God? Forgiveness? Healing? Strength? Wisdom? Do you need God to work in a relationship that you're in to bring healing and wholeness? Do you need God to break the chains of a habit you can't quite break yourself? Do you need God to help you overcome an attitude that's making you feel bad about you all of the time? Do you need God's help in your home, in your marriage, in your family? When we take one step toward God, he runs to meet us. Amen? Rachel, go ahead and come on back. I'm going to ask you um, to, to do something really bold today. Jonah did something really bold. He had the sailors just throw him overboard. And God was able to meet him. I'm going to have you do something bold today. In just a second, Rachel's going to lead us in what I think is one of the most beautiful songs that have been written in the last few years. Uh, it's called Reckless Love. And, and it's a song that talks about how God's love just never gives up on us. And he keeps chasing us, keeps running after us to, to give, him, give us all of himself. And, and this morning, if you need God's healing, if you need God's strength, if you need God's wisdom, if you need him to do something in you or you feel him asking you to, to do something through you, if you need him to work in your home or in your marriage, if you need God to really do something in your life, I'm going to ask you to jump out of the boat. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to, to get up from where you're seated and I'm just going to ask you to come and stand beside me here at the front. I'm going to ask you to take a bold step forward and we're going to ask God to meet us here. And so this morning, if any of this fits for you, while Rachel leads us in this song, I'm going to invite you to get up from where you are and just come and we'll stand right here at the front and just hold hands. And as soon as we're done with the song, I'm going to pray a prayer and ask God to meet us here. Look at me. Aren't you tired of running? Let's run to God, not away from him. Father, how thankful we are that you never give up on us. Even when we run hard in the other direction, you never stop loving, you never stop caring, you never stop sending your spirit to speak to us. And how you love it when we finally stop running and we turn to you. Well, Father, each and every person who's standing here at the front is, are just acknowledging that they need your touch in a very special way. Some need your healing. Some need your wisdom. Some need your strength. Some need you to work a miracle in their home or in their marriage or in their family. Some, Father, come today needing your forgiveness and grace and mercy. And, Father, today we believe that you are big enough for all of these things. 
And God, so each one of these, have, they've taken a bold step. They've stepped out in front of this entire audience to stand here with me today and publicly admit how much they need you. Well, today, God, would you swallow them up with your love? Would you wrap yourself around them? Would you let them know that, Lord, you could never love them any more than you love them right now in this moment in time? You know the cry of their heart. You know the need of their life. And Father, I just pray that you would lay your powerful hand upon them. I pray that you would be their forgiver, that you would be their provider, that you would be the, the God who strengthens them, that you would be their Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals them. I pray that you would be all that they need in this moment of time. Father, for many of them, it's been a, a long time since they've leaned into you. And today, Lord, they've come home. And today, Father, how we thank you that you're the Father who runs to meet us when we take one step in your direction. We don't deserve that grace, but God, we are so grateful for it. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for meeting us here today in your love. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen.